Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. Well, by way of getting into this topic, it may be uh, polite of me to mention to the listeners out there that I deactivated my Twitter account on purpose, not because of any sort of incident on the internet or anything like that, but rather because I'm starting a new job and I wanted to make sure that everything was cool there before I came back on, if you know that's possible. And... The Twitter account that I have been using for the last few months is is a, is a Buddhism and Zen. I mean, I'm representing our Sangha on, on Twitter and, you know, this show and stuff like that. And I feel conflicted about, I mean, I, I feel sad about losing uh, touch with a lot of people, a lot of people that feel like Sangha to me, you know, sort of extended Sangha or like a second ring of Sangha. And they've been come, they've been becoming interested in our Sangha because of the stuff that I'm sharing in our show and, and, you know, sensei's Q and a on Twitter that he's been doing. And I, I, I really found some beautiful connections and learned a lot of beautiful things and practice got really good practice advice from a lot of people gay of some too. And, you know, social media surprised me this time around, you know, I'd been off for years and I came back on looking for community uh, around the stuff that mattered the most to me at the time, which was, which is this practice, this, our, our practice that we do. And I found it and it was beautiful. And, uh, I, and I, I really built some lasting relationships and, you know, the reason I'm not there now is, is professional and it has nothing to do with any of that stuff. And hopefully I can work it out so that I can do both. But now that I'm off, I I'm allowing myself to think about some things that I might have been pushing out of my mind this whole time about sort of the inherent tension between social media and just consumption of information and being on the phone all the time and the presence of awareness required for this practice. And I would be lying if I said that participation in Twitter with all of its various behavioral compulsions that it creates uh, didn't change my behavior in a way that I, that doesn't feel in accordance with my practice. I was on my phone a lot because I was there because there were people there that I cared about in conversations about the Dharma that I was having that were beautiful. But, you know, I, I, I don't really want to, I don't want to face, I don't want to think about how much time I might've spent looking at my phone instead of being with my family. You know, even if it was just by choice, we were all doing whatever we were doing. You know, I could have been reading books to my kids, but instead I was looking at Twitter and I'm not big on mindfulness as a word for this practice, for Zen practice, you know, and sort of the idea that you have to pay attention to one thing at a time and it's not Zen to, to pay attention to multiple things or to, you know, to, be distracted or whatever, you know, the practices in all of that it has to be. But at the same time, I don't really feel like the behavior around Twitter was very healthy. And I, and I wonder what you think about maybe not Twitter specifically, but just the phone 
as an object mm-hmm. and the media that come in through it and the other places that media come in and how that relates to this practice and and if it if it is a conflict for you like it is at least some of the time if not always for me yeah i have deleted my facebook a few years ago uh because i just i had really seen these just bad habits of like going on there and feeling bad every time mm-hmm. i was on there uh because they're kind of formatted uh or structured in a way that you know and this is no surprise to anyone anymore that it it, you know creates addictive behavioral patterns but also the outrage that you feel when you see certain posts like that's a feedback loop too because i mean i don't know maybe you you want to say something to kind of feel a little more superior or prove that person wrong (laughs) or like I don't know, there's all sorts of behaviors built in there that, that kind of like give you that addictive feeling, even, whether it's good or bad, um, you're still addicted, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I just didn't, I also just don't feel like it's the best of people on there. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that the people aren't good, but their best selves are not on there. It's, it is a certain version of themselves uh, but they're they're kind of you know keyboard warriors or whatever, and not afraid to <laughs> say that something that they wouldn't say in person. And you know, then also posting articles that may or may not be real news. Uh, but even when they are real news, they're slanted in such a way that is highlighting some sort of outrageous or just things that would make you engaged with it. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you they have to exaggerate what it says or word it a little differently to make it sound more crazy than it actually is. And it gives us all like a very skewed view of it, especially on Facebook cuz a lot of those articles aren't real. Some of them are memes and they might not be true. Most of them aren't. You could anybody can make a meme. Um so it it's just it was no, not making me happy, and I, I think I kept it because of the events, mostly. It's like, yeah, that's how they well, get I you. don't really get invited to things. <laughs> <laughs> there were things tied to it, and I think there were uh, even the yard sales. I'm like, man, I've gotten some really good deals on some stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the, a few communities, like uh, for me, my neighborhood cat forum um, is helpful because I I have two feral cats that I take care of, and Sometimes I need a trap in case they're sick or whatever, all sorts of things like that. So I had reasons for staying, but it just got so bad. It just got so um, toxic there that like I I really just I had to leave. And I don't think I have I don't think Instagram has been as bad to me personally, but there's something that it does that's very interesting in in my account it's just kind of feedback some of my bad habits uh some of my bad tendencies or even uh insecurities towards myself uh like i just have perfectionist tendencies and a lot of times like i might see like a a blemish on my skin or face or something and have to pick at it and of course instagram knows this about me um so it put posts like videos about pimple popping and blackheads like squeezing and stuff like that like Uh really like making me i and i don't even have to like 
click on it. Like I might just like hover over it for longer or something like that, yeah. you know. Who knows uh, how they knows. measure these things. Yeah. It knows. It might post more things about like, I don't know, like makeup and plastic surgery before and afters. I've never had plastic surgeries, but I feel like, you know, if you push someone for, far enough, keep pushing them to do something like that, keep giving them enough images, they'll get social socialized maybe uh brainwashed i don't know uh -huh. <laughs> into thinking they need it and i don't think i'm necessarily any different because most of the time when i'm scrolling down these apps i'm not really thinking that hard and i'm not really you know to use the word mindful of what i'm actually consuming mm -hmm. so i have to like put it down and i am extremely addicted to youtube um and that can be a it could be a feedback loop for my opinions uh, but it that seems to be the the least detrimental uh, social media I've used so far. It's really just the amount of time I spend on it. Like, mm -hmm. I actually kind of disagree with you, John, that I do think it's actually best to do one thing at a time. It's not always key. Like, I don't think you can always do one thing at a time. Uh, but I do think that's ideal. I think uh, I do too. I just, I just didn't. I, all I meant was like, I don't really believe in the sort of shaming or virtue signaling about not being distracted or like, you know, being, being high and mighty about like leaving your phone in a locked box somewhere or, you know, like the people, people are very superior about oh. their mindfulness this way. And I just meant like, you know, life is going to be what it's going to be. If you're, if you're distracted and doing 10 things at once because of necessity, uh, you know, that's, that's got to be Zen practice. But definitely, if you're doing 10 things at once and not paying attention to any of them on purpose, you're not probably right. doing Zen practice. Well, yeah. that's something that YouTube can do for me. So I'll, I will sometimes like have two devices, a tablet where I'll be like, I'll hook up something that will have like a workout video on it. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to like pay attention to the, the feeling of working out because it's hard. So then <laughs> I turn on another YouTube video on my phone and listen or watch that while I'm exercising. Mm -hmm. And I just, I personally don't think that's a good practice for me. Mm. <laughs> for me personally, I think that I could end up or injuring myself because of the way my joints are mm -hmm. uh, very fragile and prone to injury. I don't need to be watching YouTube while I'm watching YouTube. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, while I'm eating, like I'm here by myself all the time. And it, honestly, the people on YouTube, I, I've formed sort of a parasocial relationship with them. Hmm. Some of them, you know, I might have actually left comments on and they've responded, which is nice. But like, I don't know them. It just make, gives me the feeling that I have friends when I'm alone all the time. You know, people who work from home now, I, you probably understand even if I talk to people on Zoom, you know, that's usually about business. It's not like I'm like just chatting about like the day and how my feelings and everything. And, you know, <laughs> so it still feels a little bit lonely. And although talking to anybody is better than talking to nobody. Mm -hmm. So I would I even even business Zoom calls and stuff like that. It gives me a sense of uh, being with people. And so does so does YouTube, yeah. um, even though I'm not actually interacting with them. We have like inside jokes like I know their inside jokes because I've watched you their YouTube channel for so long. So 
you know, we... <laughs> We're best friends. They just don't know about it. Yeah. There may be people who feel that way about us by now. I hope so. Me too. I don't think it's a... I don't think parasocial relationships is a bad thing. I think it could be. I mean, yeah. obviously, I think that it could be a bad thing. And especially if, you know, the if we were like kind of giving really bad advice or something like mm -hmm. that and like uh, trying to get people to do weird things, then yeah, that wouldn't be a very good relationship to have. But I shouldn't, like when I'm eating and watching videos and doing all these things at once, what I'm really doing is trying to distract myself from the fact that I feel lonely when I'm at home by myself mm -hmm. all day, all week. And I don't think that that's necessarily helpful. I think in the short term, it's helpful because you don't have to feel lonely. Yeah. But I don't think it's helpful in the long term as to like, how can I actually like uh, work to not feel lonely, like to 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 feel lonely, to feel lonely first and yeah, then work towards, uh, you know, changing the situation a little bit. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that's my personal experience with social media, and I would love to quit Instagram because that one, I'm like, I'm going to pick at my face more if I keep doing this, if I keep looking at this yeah. app. Uh, but I, I message friends there. Yeah, that's hard. I, I quit Facebook a long time ago. Facebook meaning all Facebook properties, so like Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who are in my life in a kind of ambient way for many years who I don't hear from or talk to anymore as a result of leaving. And the, I have, I'm, I'm really conflicted about that as well because there's a sense in which I feel like how, how important to me could those relationships have possibly been if I'm not like going out of my way to reach out to those people, which I did to a bunch of people and I'm in touch with them now, you know? But on the other hand, it's good to be able to kind of keep up the casual level of relationship that you can with people who don't live around you and work or work with you or, you know, like, th like there are lots of people in a world where we see human beings outside and face to face, uh, you know, like we used to live in before a year ago. Uh, there are so many people that you have real relationships with that are on the same level of, I feel like the casual sort of Facebook level friendship. It's just that the, those that Facebook and and its its you know ecosystem make it possible to have the, that same level of relationship with people that you don't see in person, and that's good. That's a good thing. I mean, obviously, it's 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 counterbalanced by the sort of insanity of the newsfeed, which you've laid out a lot of the reasons that it's that it's insane. And, and I, and I, one thing that I definitely used to experience when I was on Facebook that I don't really experience anymore is getting drawn into horrible fights about st stupid stuff with people that I like, you know? Yeah. And it's just cause that sort of environment pits you against each other or pit or, you know, starts instigates tense conversations around certain topics because that, you know, that's what drives engagement for Facebook. So I'm glad to be rid of that, and I haven't really looked back as far as, as far as leaving Facebook. Me neither. But the, I mean, it, it, the loneliness is real. Like I, I have fewer relationships than I did then. Mm -hmm. It's a sad trade-off to have to make, but I still feel like it's Facebook's fault that I've lost those people. You know, 
Cause yeah. that's where, cause you know, the, if there were better tools for us to maintain relationships with ambiently with people that we might not talk to directly one-on-one all the time, people would be there and we would be able to, but because the only tool available for this is so awful, it it's, it's kind of worth it to cut it off. I feel. Yeah. I mean, I'm just talking as a user experience designer here of yeah. uh, the way fa- Facebook's algorithm and interface are very unethically designed. And that was when I started getting into user experience design. I think that is actually when I decided for real, mm-hmm. real this time mm-hmm. that I was going to quit. Also, I just don't like Facebook as a company. I think yeah. the company ethics, I think Mark Zuckerberg's ec- ethics are unethical. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, they always they always teach you in, in school. It's like, oh, well, you know, if you if you don't like something, it's the American way to boycott something. And I'm <laughs> like, well, then why isn't anybody doing it? Yeah. So I stopped go- using Wells Fargo because they made so many accounts for people. And I stopped using Facebook because they were driving me crazy and being unethical. So I'm like, fine, I'll do it. But it, this doesn't seem to be working on like the level it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And well, they've got the whole world, you know, like it's, it's, it's probably bigger. Well, no, they bought WhatsApp. So yeah, Facebook has the entire world, you know, the, yeah, that's it's true. one that's person. True. But it's is, not like Americans aren't on Facebook though. Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, I feel like there was a turning point at some point recently. I can't remember what it was like some news event happened and people started quitting Facebook. I feel like it was during the pandemic. I can't actually remember the story, but you know, I, I do feel like I come across more people in my life who aren't on there than I did five to like two years ago when it really just felt like the entire world took place there and being off there was not was like not existing. Uh, I feel I feel like there's a little bit of a tide turning, at least in my world, but it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So th- that that sort of plays into the Buddhist problem with it, if you will, for me, that given that that's where people are, given that social media is where people are, well, there's reasons to be there and reasons not to be there. Yes. The world, like the ethical space in which people exist includes that part of the world. And so like good can be done there and community can be built there and 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 organizing and change can be made there and you know in this twitter world that i was in until a couple of days ago was unambiguously good it was a beautiful thing mm-hmm. no i agree with you there i definitely felt like it was a great community or it is a great community yeah it still is and i'm sad down to be there but this is the thing it's just the fact remains that it was so appealing to be with those people and and to be talking about that stuff that I and I'm sure many others, because I know roughly how long many of these people were online all day because I was on there with them, seeing them on there and talking to them. You know, I chose it over the 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 people right around me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about behavior like looking at my phone when my child is talking to me or something like that, like that that kind of unacceptable thing. Like, you know, I don't feel like I need to elaborate on why that's not cool. I was doing that sometimes, 
more like at all is too much. And I was doing, I, you know, I would find myself doing that once or twice and being like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Mm-hmm. But even in times of more deliberately choosing what I'm going to do, you know, there's a choice of like, my kid is reading a book over there by herself and I could go read it with her or I could sit over here and look at my phone by myself. And I chose the latter so often for such long stretches of time. I mean, it's a good thing. She's so happy reading and playing by herself, but I, I was choosing this virtual space over that so much. And I don't really know why that feels like such a bad choice to me because the thing I was doing felt like a good thing to do in isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering whether there's there's maybe some sort of Buddhist value there that that's coming through for me of like the stuff physically around me is more morally important or something or better practice of embodiment maybe has something to yeah. do with it. Because that's definitely true, the, the embodiment part. Yeah, the embodiment part, I think, is, I think you're getting to a really important point there uh, because when you're on social media, it's almost like your mind went somewhere else and left your body. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it went into this two-dimensional vertical column where people's <laughs> faces don't move. You know? It's kind of weird. Yeah. I was thinking about that. It's almost like another dimension where like speech and... And the the way the world looks and uh, communication is all different, and mm-hmm. it's it's it even doesn't even necessarily translate the same as you don't say the same things you would in person yeah. or uh, in the same way, and you need like little pictures to <laughs> kind of supplement the fact that you can't like say things in person. I don't know, but I I think what I I realized this is I was reading like this BuzzFeed article and it was actually just going over like things that people said on Twitter. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's like just another dimension. That's yeah. not even, that's not even real, yeah. but it is real at the same time. <laughs> right. In in some weird way, it is kind of it's journalism. like, that's not news, yeah. but it is because it, that space exists. But then when you have like politicians saying stuff on that space, it it then becomes news because that's, you know, he who we shall not name uh, (laughs) would post stuff on there all the time. Very ridiculous things that kind of had to be talked about. Sometimes they didn't, but a lot of times they did. Yeah. Making whole decisions about the country over Twitter without consulting anybody else. Yep. Yeah, and that was weird and you know at almost too late of a well I would you could argue definitely too late of a point Twitter decided that that was against its rules and 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 you know banned he who shall not be named from the platform and and there hasn't really been anything in the way of follow up on that as far as what the policy is for world leaders you know are other people going to get banned for doing that kind of thing or was this yeah. a special case or a one-time thing? Or are they going to reinstate him or what? You know, like the, the 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 world of governing social media is kind of in a shambles after that. And that's just, that's leaving aside just the misinformation part and the conspiracy theory amplification and all of those things. Like there are serious 
civic problems with all, with all of that stuff. And, and that was already true. I mean, at the time that I left Facebook, it was purely in terms of privacy, you know, like there was just people's yeah. personal data were get, was getting sucked up by all kinds of things and being sold and being exploited uh, by the platform itself, as well as just sort of bad actors taking advantage of the platform. And that was enough for me. I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be victim to that, but I also yeah. don't want to encourage the people. I mean, it is kind of a boycott, like you're saying, like I wanted to punish Facebook by removing my value from its ecosystem. But there's a social layer of it too that I feel like is more real to me about not wanting to encourage the people I know to participate in this ecosystem and share their information and, you know, and violate each other's privacy. I mean, like this is one of the trickiest things about digital privacy that I don't think makes it even to sort of people who read and care about it in terms of their own privacy people mm-hmm. don't realize how often you violate your friends and family's privacy on social media by either yeah. talking about them or, you know, just like letting an app read your contacts, you know, like you may give it permission to look at your contact information, but the people in your address book didn't give it and inf- give it the permission at, at the same time to look at their contact information. And that's mm-hmm. how so many mm-hmm. apps work. So like I, sort of felt like pulling myself out of the Facebook world would be a signal to the people in my life who are there that like, I don't want to be involved in that kind of data mine. And, and hopefully it would disincentivize them to be there by me leaving. And, and it's, it, again, like it hasn't really hurt me. It hasn't really, I haven't, I haven't, been unable to do anything i mean in events well you know when you have babies go events don't suddenly don't really matter at all anymore so like that's that's not really been an issue but i cannot you know i i certainly it certainly would have been 10 years ago and the marketplace yeah like there's ways that facebook sort of makes itself necessary and Mm -hmm. and i you know i hope it doesn't get to a point where i have to sort of choose to participate in those and give up this, you know, this way of protecting myself. Since the internet has become a thing, it's just become this divisive force. Yeah. Uh, in our nation, I mean, I'm sure it happens everywhere else too, but, the, you know, I'm so familiar with how it has affected our country mm-hmm. and that, you know, there's always been the left and the right, but now, like, all you hear is, like, the far left and the far right. and. Yeah. You don't really hear anything in between, even though most people are actually moderates. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a moderate and I'm not afraid to say that because I I kind of in some way instinctually feel like it's like the middle way, you know, because yeah. even if regardless of what my beliefs are, I feel like we do need to come together and discuss these things in a civil manner and use compassionate compassion and understanding to realize what the other person is saying um i mean i'm not saying that everybody needs that platform maybe maybe you don't need to like listen to nazis or anything but like most people are not nazis Mm -hmm. you know um most people have a reason for what they believe in it could just be misinformation which there is a lot of now and i used to have beliefs just from growing up in the south and everything that 
I don't think we're we're correct in in my opinion, or maybe they just weren't the most compassionate beliefs. Uh, but people did take the time to sit down with me and actually like just educate me and tell me about my views, and it actually changed my mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we even believe that that is a possibility anymore because of social media. Yeah, because the tools are designed in an unethical way, just like you said, that profits, literally profits off of the amplification of the most extreme possible version of reality, whether it's political or aesthetic, you know, like whatever you can fit into the box, the more extreme it is, the better it does for you and for the platform. So, yeah, it's it's pretty hard to... I mean, this is not the angle I expected on sort of what the Buddhist view of this is. You know, I was definitely thinking more about consciousness on a moment-to-moment basis and what it's like to be on there. But there, but the, this is a, at least as important of a point that there is no middle way in a, an environment that only incentivizes extremes. And it's not just in terms of attention and consciousness. It's in terms of behavior and speech and, and morality and beliefs and it's it's so it's the whole path the whole eightfold path is implicated in how this stuff works it's not it's not just practice i mean it's not just you know sitting practice it's the whole practice it's the whole practice of being a human being but then there's the question like if the middle way isn't out there at all then how would people ever come across it Hmm. <laughs> well, if we say we can't be on social media because it's there's no middle way, well, maybe there's also no middle way because the people who believe in the middle way won't go on it. <laughs> yeah, it's a real conundrum. <laughs> and and but 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 then, you know, we look at the format in which you and I are conducting this middle way uh medium. It's not this, this these these 30 minute conversations aren't can't really be parsed by Facebook, you know, like the, the, the stuff that you and I are ta- are saying to each other right now, like that's not going to become part of this machine. It's it, even if they tr- get a, you know, transcript of it, like, it's just not, it's just, you know, how is it going to be profitable for them to sort of extract the words that we're saying from this? And, and the, but the, the, the way that it works, the way that this show has worked on by you know social media as one of the ways that it has that has, that it's come to fruition uh is that people relationships pe- pe- people having relationships that are genuine that are based on you know not even necessarily views or values or anything but just sort of the day-to-day transactions of like you know how you know how how's your day going what's the weather what's the weather like over there you know here's a picture of my dog you know, like there's, there's, there's just normal everyday life stuff that is enough to build relationships on, even with people that are purely online. And when people like that, who have those kinds of connections, talk about something that matters to them, that's how things spread in a, in a, in a middle way, you know, in, in a, in a, in a moderate medium way is that like, they say, I listened to this podcast called Householders. That is the antidote to all this crazy stuff on facebook you should check it out and so and one other person listens to it because of that and that's that's just 
people being people and talking about what matters to them, which Facebook for better or for worse does give people the opportunity to do. And, you know, is a valid place for that kind of of interaction to happen. It's just that there's so much other stuff that people are there to do that sucks them in. Uh, and it's a shame, but, but the, the fact is, you know, it, it, this is kind of a corollary to what you said about most people are moderates, like people just hanging out, being people like things that are good <laughs> do, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't actually like things that are extreme. They're just, they're in, when they, when they're in an extreme environment, they become extreme. And, mm. you know, I guess it's just our duty to, you know, as, as Buddhists or as people to, to remind people how nice it is to move away from the extremes. Householders is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at ASZC.org. Our sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gasho.